This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. So how do piano and guitar players learn to comp like jazz pros? Well, today I'm going to show you three things that you need to be practicing in order to get there. Let's do this thing. What's up, Brent here from Learn Jazz Standards, where we help musicians just like you learn how to play jazz all while shortening the learning curve no matter what instrument you play. Welcome to another quick win episode of the podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss out on anything going on here. So regardless of whether you're a piano player or a guitar player, you're going to have to comp for other instrumentalists, for singers, and it's a really important part of being a jazz player on our instruments, and there's a lot of work to be done. Now, comping simply means a accompanying, meaning that we are supporting or backing up the soloist or the singer, whatever it be. So we need to work really hard on playing that role. And I find that there are three main areas that we need to be studying in order to accomplish this. But of course, make sure you stick around to the very end of the video where I'm going to give you the number one tip I have for improving your comping and really taking it to the next level. The very first thing you need to be working on is voicings, 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 voicings. You need to be able to play a lot of different kinds of voicings on your piano or on your guitar. And the first kind of voicing that you need to know is your stock voicings. Now, what are stock voicings? Stock voicings are what I would call your bread and butter voicings. These are voicings that everybody uses. These are the ones you're most often going to go to to get through a jazz standard and to accompany somebody else. So for example, for piano, great stock voicings to be working on are what we call shell voicings, which is basically just playing the thirds and the sevenths. And also you can play the root as well. Be able to play your shell voicings for all the five qualities of seventh chords in all 12 keys. Also, these three note rootless voicings are really good options as well. Be able to practice those. And of course, there are countless other stock voicings for piano players. And especially as you continue digging into your favorite piano players like Red Garland and Wynton Kelly and Bud Powell, you'll notice that there are certain go-to voicings that they have. And it is in your best interest to study those and start learning them in different keys and different chord qualities. Now for guitar, stock voicings are super, super important. For example, for major seventh chords, you have voicings like this major seventh voicing is what we call a stock voicing, one you go to all the time. Here's another one for a major seventh. You'll have one like this and like this. Those are all stock major seventh voicings. And of course, we can convert all those into dominant seventh chords. That's a stock dominant seventh voicing. Uh, this is a stock dominant seventh voicing, right? This is a stock dominant seventh voicing. This is a stock dominant seventh voicing. So there's a lot of different voicings you want to study and start working on to get down. And a lot of times, these are the voicings you're going to be using. So whether it be this one or this one, this one, this one, this one. 
right? All of them are good to know and you need to be able to play them in all 12 keys and in different chord progressions. Now, the next thing for voicings that guitar and piano players need to be working on is inversions of voicings. So first, what is an inversion? An inversion is simply taking a voicing, and in this case, we're looking at a root, third, fifth, seventh voicing, or just a closed position voicing. And what you do is you essentially invert these voicings by bringing the lowest voice to the top voice. So now the first inversion is going to have the third in the bass, and then the fifth in the bass for the second inversion, and then the seventh in the bass for the third inversion. So we have, again, root position with the root, and then we have the third in the bass, and then we have the fifth in the bass for the second inversion, and then we have the third in the bass for the seventh inversion. So we want to be able to know and work on these and know them in all 12 keys, whether it just be root position voicings like that or closed position voicings like that, or some of the other stock voicings that we're working on, like drop two voicings, for example, on guitar would be like this. That's just inversions of drop two voicings on one set of strings. Piano players can do drop twos or even drop three voicings as well. Okay, moving on to the second thing that piano and guitar players need to be working on for comping, which is voice leading. Voice leading is incredibly important. What is voice leading? The definition of voice leading is simply the smooth connection of voices to the nearest possible option. So for example, we don't want to be playing voicings that you know, are super far away from each other and don't always make sense. Now, sometimes it can work, but oftentimes what we want to do is create a melodic movement. So for example, this is a two, five, one in E flat major. Now, of course I can play these stock voicings too, but the idea is we have these top voices and then resolving them chromatically down just like that. And of course, there's a million different ways we can practice voice leading. For example, let's go ahead and take a look at what I call this ascending offbeat comping exercise. So let's ignore the offbeats for a second, but simply just look at this. And again, um, I'm this is me as a guitar player playing this, but you can apply the same concept as a piano player. So starting with this first voicing, we're playing a B flat blues here. What I'm gonna do is go up to the four chord, melodically ascending. Now this is just an exercise, but this improves the point of voice leading. They're going to the B flat nine, now to the E flat seven, again, moving up chromatically, then to the E diminished seventh. That was a like voice at the very top voice there. Then we're going to this B flat seven, moving up higher with our voicing to this G seven flat nine, to this F7, see it keeps going up higher, to this B flat 13, and then finally this B flat 9. So that's just a more clinical example of voice leading, but we want to be thinking about voice leading all the time, creating actual melodies with our comping so that it sounds good, makes sense, and properly accompanies whoever we're accompanying. Now, the third thing that we need to be working on for comping as piano and guitar players is rhythmic comping. Ultimately, at the end of the day, rhythm is really what we're doing. We're playing rhythm both in a supporting role to help the players feel the rhythmic movement of whatever tune we're playing. We're also using it to create drum 
drive and feeling in our comping so that it's actually musical. So there's a few things that I would do. So first, I would memorize some very basic, basic comping patterns. If you have no idea how to comp, start by just doing basic comping patterns. One is a great example. Here's what we call the Charleston. So again, we're just playing a B-flat blues. So it sounds like this. That's the Charleston. So work on basic rhythms like that. Now, obviously, when you're comping, you don't want to just stick to those rhythms, but this is a good starting place. Another classic example of a comping pattern would be your very basic bossa nova comping pattern. And no, I'm not talking about the amazing stuff that Yao Gilberto would play or many other great Brazilian guitarists, but just having the very basic bossa nova comping pattern down will give you an idea of where you can go from there. So for example... a very basic bossa nova comping pattern. So be able to play that because that's going to come up quite often in jazz standards and the bossa nova side of playing things. But then let's also go back to that ascending offbeats comping exercise. And this is more where it comes down to getting familiar with playing different offbeats and rhythms in jazz. We want to be able to feel rhythmic freedom when we're comping and even when we're soloing as well. So just taking a look at the first four bars of this ascending offbeats comping exercise, as a guitar player, I'll stick with the voicings for now. Again, piano players can use whatever voicing you want, but the idea is we're going to follow those exact rhythms as an exercise that are on the sheet. So like this, a one, a two, a one, two, three, four, one, and two, three, four, one, two, and three, four, one, two, three, and four, one, two, three, four, and. Right now, that four and, right? That's something that you want to get used to doing because that happens all the time, these anticipations in jazz. So lots of syncopation there. And so practicing things like these, getting very comfortable playing on different rhythmic elements of the beat are going to be super valuable and helpful for you as a comper. Okay, and now for my number one tip as a comper, no matter whether you're a piano player or a guitar player, and that number one tip is to always listen before you play. Listen before you play. Because I just talked about a lot of amazing things that you can do, a bunch of fancy voicings, a bunch of fancy rhythms, inversions, all this good stuff that we need to be working on. The temptation, though, could be just to pretend like we're the ones actually playing like the soloist that everybody's backing us up. But really, ultimately, again, the idea of comping is to support somebody else. So whenever you're comping, you really want to be listening to what the other instrumentalist you're supporting is actually playing and respond to that. You should be making musical choices in your comping based on what they're doing, not based on what you want to do. So number one tip is always listen before you play, serve that other musician you're supporting, not yourself. 
So by the way, if you want some more help with this kind of stuff, we actually have a really cool courses in our Inner Circle membership. We have a jazz piano accelerator course and a jazz guitar accelerator course. Amazing instructors working on both of these. I do the guitar one. We have an amazing instructor named Justin Nielsen doing the piano course. And these courses really do dive a lot into some of those elements like comping and voicings and different things like that that are, you're going to find really helpful. So check that out at ljsinnercircle.com. Become a member there and you'll have access to those courses as guitar and piano players. Okay, that's it for today's Quick Win podcast episode. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And hey, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts uh, if you happen to listen there. We're on Spotify as well. And uh, have a great rest of your week. Happy practicing, and we'll see you in the next one. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.